right, that was good. Glad you're here tonight with us. Tonight we are talking about James still. We've been in the midst of James for a little bit, talking about some thoughts from him. As I said, these are pretty simple. The thing about James is the lessons are really simple to hear, but they are hard to put into practice. Tonight I learned something, or this week I learned something as I made this sermon. You say, well, you should always learn something. Well, I really do, but I learned something different than I normally learn. I learned about spelling. I did not know favoritism had this extra I in it. Did you know that? F-A-V-O-R-I-T-I-S-M. But that's how you spell it. That's the truth. It kept showing that I was spelling it wrong when I didn't have it this way. So I figured that out. You all do not seem very impressed the way I was, but I was really (laughs) impressed by it. So tonight, if you have your Bibles or want to look on the screens, we're looking in James chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. And James says this, My brothers, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For example, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes also comes in. If you look with favor on the man wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place. And yet you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit here on the, uh, on the door by my, on the floor by my footstool. Haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Wow, it sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? Normally, I would say I've never been in a place where they have done something quite like that. I've never known of something like that. I can understand how this happened in the first century, especially over 90% of the people in in the Roman Empire were below the poverty line. And so you had this very small group that had money. And now in a country like the United States, lots of people, most people are above that line and then go up way above that line. Although there are still obviously many poor people, there are also, there's a higher percentage of those that have some kind of means. I tell you too many Brazil stories, but I'll tell you this one. I'll tell you one more. Years ago, when, when we were living in Brazil, we, went, we were invited to this church service like on a, on a Friday evening or Saturday evening or something. It wasn't from Churches of Christ, but we were invited to go with some people, and we did. And we went into their building, and we didn't know where to sit. And it, it had three sections of pews. Had the, and the, the pulpit was right in front of the center section. We didn't really look too much. We just went and sat down. Didn't see the people that we had come with or that were, had invited us. We just went and sat down. As soon as we sat down, we realized why no one else sat in the middle section. Because the preacher stood behind the podium and there was a pole right in front of him. So all we could see was his arms moving the whole time. But what was really interesting in that little congregation in a world that, world that is somewhat mostly third world, you could call the country second world maybe, because it had such distinguished groups, was over on one side were people who were dressed really nicely. And over on the other side were people who looked like they were really poor. Matter of fact, afterwards, the next day, we even asked our friends about that. They said, oh, that, that's not like that. Well, maybe it wasn't intentionally, but it sure came across that way when we looked and saw the people that were there. Well, we all probably do show favoritism sometimes. No doubt about it. There are times we do. For example, you could show favoritism over a lot of things like accomplishments, right? I mean, you think about it. If, uh, 
if there was a if there was an astro coming here tonight or a Texan, we would all turn around and be excited probably to see that person and, and, and flock to them. You might even quit listening to me and go try to get their autograph. So sometimes accomplishments are something that we may discriminate against others. I remember, I'm going to tell you another Brazil story. I remember a time I was on a mission trip there and we were, we were in a park in the city of Sao Paulo, one of the largest cities in the world. And all at once realized that the U.S. Olympic track team was all around us. They were there shopping like we were. And that was back in the 90s. And those of you old enough to remember the 90s will know the names of the people I talked to. Like Jackie Joyner-Kersey and Evelyn Ashford and, and, and others that were there. And I remember one of the young women, we're all in college, that were with us. And she was going up to people and saying, what did you get? And they said, well, I won the gold and such and such. Okay, can I have your autograph? What'd you get? Well, I won the gold and the silver and this. Okay, can I have your autograph? She went up to one guy and he said, well, I got a bronze. I got third place. She said, oh, that's not good enough. And walked on. <laughs> well, when, you're, when you have gold medalists all around you, it's pretty overwhelming. And then you discriminate against gold medalists and bronze medalists. So it's easy when there are accomplishments also, sometimes it's weight that, oh, that person's too big. Sometimes they're too skinny even, but sometimes too big. It can be age. You even know this is something in the job world of age discrimination, right? Someone aging out, getting too old, getting upset about things like that. Skin color is obviously the most obvious that we think about these days of sometimes people are discriminated against because of skin color, because of race. Financial status is what was going on here in the Bible, and it's one that we'll talk about a little bit more tonight. But it's financial status that often gets us, oh, well, maybe you can't run with my people, or maybe you run too high and I can't do that. And then financial, uh, but after financial status, that look. You know the people you like because they just have that look. You know what I'm talking about? Just that look that sometimes we decide people are okay or not okay because I always knew there was a problem with that guy. I could just see it, right? Well, when it comes to financial status, for example, I want to go back there for just a minute. Obviously, what it's talking about here in the Bible is against the wealthy or against, against the poor giving favoritism to the wealthy, and sometimes wealthy people will look down on the poor, which will be talked about in our scripture tonight. But did you know sometimes the poor also look down on the wealthy? Sometimes it's you had to cheat to get what you got. If you got out of this neighborhood, then there was something wrong with you. You had to somehow get there that, that's not normal. It goes both ways. Now, I'm not trying to make a big deal about that except to say we all struggle with this issue of favoritism sometimes in different ways. And it is okay to note something about a person, but it is not okay to discriminate against a person. You're wise if you note that a person is, how would you say how tall they are, how short they are, what color were their eyes? How would you know those things if you weren't noting? So to note that a person is, is African-American or Latino or Caucasian or whatever, of course you're going to note that. But you don't discriminate against a person because of that. Or if you were to notice a person had on some really nice looking expensive shoes, 
or a person wasn't wearing shoes at all or they had holes with their toes sticking out, you note that, but you don't discriminate against the person because they don't have money to buy new shoes. So it is okay to note, but it is not okay to discriminate. Now let me say, and this is, would be with every single sermon I preach, including the one tonight. I don't want to ever be po political, but I always want to be biblical. This is a biblical issue about the way we treat people and how we handle our relationships with other, others. So what was happening, not in the time of James, because this is the church meeting in the house, but he's, he seems to be referring to a Jewish audience that remembered what it was like back in the synagogue where they would give the best seat to a certain group of people. And so it says what he's talking about probably is the, the wealthy people got to sit next to the scrolls. Now, doesn't that sound kind of funny? That, that the place of honor was, oh, you get to sit, sit next to the scrolls. And why would that be something? Because people didn't own books. They didn't own scrolls. And so to be able to just sit there and be able to look at them and see the words even on the pages as they were rolled up and to be so close to those documents was something big. Now the place of honor is the place next to the air conditioner, air conditioner vent, right? That's where you want to sit. sit. So... They were giving some kind of special honor, or, it, or he thought they could, to people who were wealthy. Now, I want you to see in the next verses in 5 through 7. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name uh, of whom, uh, of whom to, to, to whom you belong? Okay, now this is a situation that's going on. These wealthy people, for the most part, are not Christians. Very few wealthy people in the first century were. There were some, but there weren't many. You remember we have had whole lessons on that God does care for the for the rich. God has a place for the rich like he has a place for the poor. And, and there are different trials and there are different challenges that come with both groups. We've talked about that many times before. But this is the issue. Often a church would meet in a house, in the house of a wealthy person, in the kind of the foyer of the house. And so maybe you have a servant who is a Christian. Every once in a while, the wife of the, of the, of, of the man who owns the house would also be a Christian, but not always. And so they would have an area in their house that could seat sometimes 35 to 40 people. And so usually a church never got bigger than that, a house church. And then they would move over to the next, church, next house and start a new congregation or a new church. It seems like they had elders just for one city, but that's the way they would do it. They'd go from place to place. And so in this place where all these people are, all at once the owner of the house decides, I want to come in and go to your service. I want to see what's happening. So when he comes in and you say, well, here, you sit in the best seat. We're going to give you the chair while we all sit on the floor. We're going to give you the place of honor. They would probably wouldn't have had scrolls, but we'll give you the scroll if we had it. We're going to give you the place where there's a breeze coming in from outside. You're going to get the best spot. And he says, do you not realize these people are the ones that are taking you to court? These are the people who are doing things against you, and here you fall all over yourself for them. 
Why would you do that? And would he not say the same thing to us sometimes when we treat people from the world with some kind of special way and think, oh, you're so wonderful, when really maybe they are against religion, they might even be against faith, and churches and individuals can give them everything, thinking somehow there's something special. Well, the truth is, whether rich or poor, whether of this race or that race from this country or that country, we can all learn from each other. Wealthy people have a lot to learn from poor, and poor people have a lot to learn from wealthy. People from, from various countries that come here have a lot to learn from us, and we have a lot to learn from them, and so on and so on that we all need each other. It is intended to be that way. The church is intended to be a place where everyone worships together and gets along together. That, that it, It's like that. I think about years ago, there was a church building in, in a little town, Mays, Kansas, which is just outside of Wichita, that their building was shaped like an ark. And... And I drove up one time to the front door one, one day during the week because I just thought it was so interesting, like just like an ark. You'll never believe this. It was called the Ark Church. And so, but at the front, they had a place there for the skipper, <laughs> that was the preacher, and the first mate, who was the youth minister, and then, for the fir- and then for the wife of the skipper and the wife of the first mate. Well, we don't do that. You know why we don't do that? Because we just want to be this family. We just want to be this group that's here glorifying God, giving God honor, giving God credit, and putting God first in what we do. We learn from each other when, when we somehow in some way are equal. Now in James chapter 2 in verses 8 through 11, he goes on and he says, If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. And if you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. You know what he's trying to say? He's trying to say sin is sin. And so don't go go saying, well, your sin is so bad and my sin isn't bad at all. Don't go do that. But yet at the same time, that does not give me justification and tell me that I can go on sinning because my sin's no better, no worse than your sin. You tell a little white lie, so I'll do what I do. It's no worse than yours. No, that's not right either. The idea is we get rid of sin in our lives, that we all do that and that that we work together just. And and so what these people are doing is these people are saying, I'm going to show, (coughs) excuse me, favoritism but I'm not going to be an adulterer. I'm not going to be a murderer. I'm not going to take God's name in vain, but I will show favoritism. And he says, that's not right either. They're all wrong. They're all wrong. And so he's telling us how to live. Favoritism is serious. However, we will naturally gravitate to similar people, but we still treat all people like we want to be treated. So we have this wonderful Ukrainian ministry going on, Russian and Ukrainian ministry. We love it. We want to keep doing it. I don't know if you've realized this, but with all the Ukrainians, for example, that have come our way, they're not all just the same. 
you imagine if we had gone through through a war and we all find ourselves in some place like Guatemala or somewhere, Tahiti or somewhere. And we just assume we're all the same because we're all Americans, right? Well, sort of. But how about if you have a farmer from Alabama and a surfer from California and a banker from North Dakota and and you have a school teacher from Harlem and you put all these people together, they're very different, right? But yet there is something that they have in common that brings them together. First of all, they've been through a war and their language brings them together and somewhat the culture. But yet it seems to make sense that, that little groups of them visit on Sunday morning because they speak the same language. The language brings us together. If you are out of the country, I bet some of you have done this before. You have been out of the country and you have, you have started a conversation with someone just because you heard them speaking English. Oh, where are you from? We're from Minnesota. Well, we're like around the corner. We're from Houston, right? <laughs> I've always heard this story that my granddad used to tell that they took, they took Route 66 all the way out to California and stopped at all the little places along the way, and then, of course, before there were interstates. And he always told, told, and they were from Oklahoma, and he always told the story about going into a restaurant in, in Arizona, a roadside restaurant, little cafe in Arizona, and they saw Oklahoma license plates on a car outside. And he walked in, and he just said, when he walked in the door, who's from Oklahoma? And somebody jumped up, and they hugged, and, you know, it was all wonderful. They'd never met each other. But it is normal for us to have friends. It is normal for us to find people that have similar qualities or similar things in common. If you're singers or if you like baseball cards or whatever it is, that's normal. However, we do not discriminate against people because of who they are or what they are. And so in James chapter 2, verse 12, he goes on. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So he says, church folks, don't forget this favoritism is not right. Don't forget you have a struggle too. With whatever your struggle is, remember you have it too. Mercy will be shown to those that show mercy. That doesn't mean that they're run over. It doesn't mean that they, that, that they get taken. It doesn't mean after they, you know, you stole $20 from me last week, let me give you another $20. It doesn't mean that. But there is mercy that is shown to other people. Mercy will be shown to those that show mercy. And when I stop and consider my sins, you know those times whenever you stop and count your blessings? Don't do what I'm about to tell you very long, but whenever you stop and count your sins all at once, you go, well, wait a minute. I'm not nearly as good as I thought I was five minutes ago. So here's my question for us tonight. Would I be described as a person of judgment or a person of mercy? Now, if right now what's going off in your head is you're going, well, I'll tell you who are people of judgment. You are a person of judgment. 
Am I a person of mercy or a person of judgment? What I should be is a person of mercy. A person who says, if you have a lot, I love you. If you have nothing, I love you. If you are the fastest track star of all time, I love you. If you roll down the track, I love you. Whoever you are, you have a place in the kingdom of God. We all have a place in his kingdom. So if you're here tonight and you say, I want to be in his kingdom, you can be baptized and you become a part of his kingdom. He will take your sins away in baptism and in its place give you the gift of the Holy Spirit of God living in you for those things that you need. And if you need prayer to be a person of mercy, then I say write to us at elders at mcoc.org or come tonight as we stand and sing.